What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 85 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. The divisional round of the NFL playoffs is now wrapped up. I think it's safe to say it wasn't as good as last year's. I mean, that that's a tough bar to break. Last year's divisional round was arguably the best round of playoffs we've ever had. But, hey, still four really good games. A couple of them went down to the wire. And, yeah, I'm definitely excited to talk about the four teams that were advancing. We'll also talk about the four teams that were eliminated and their Super Bowl dreams were ruined for this year. But, yeah, excited to talk some ball. For sure. I mean, last year was a legendary playoff, so it's hard to live up to. I mean, this week obviously wasn't – I wouldn't say it was great, but it was still – Fun football, and yeah, we're down to four teams. And, yeah, this week should be some really good game, but we're def- I'm definitely looking forward to recapping what we saw this past Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, listen, I'm not trying to downplay anything. We had a couple of really good matchups, and I think the word to describe the whole weekend would just be a little underwhelming. I think we thought that we'd get a lot better games in certain spots. We definitely didn't. But we're going to start, start. Like I said, there were a couple of really good games. I think the first game that we'll start with was actually a pretty good game. It was the Chiefs versus the Jaguars. That was the opening game on Saturday where the Chiefs were victorious in this one, 27-20. I think the big takeaway from this game will be the health of Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, at the end of the first quarter, a nasty ankle sprain. It was um, after the game they came out with it, they said it was a high ankle sprain. He left the game in the second quarter where Chad Henney was able to lead the Chiefs on a 98-yard touchdown drive. Mahomes then came back in the second half, played all second half, but noticeably on a limp. They were able to survive the Jaguars. I thought the Chiefs played pretty well coming off the bye, thanks to Travis Kelsey. I mean, they got 14 catches, 98 yards, and two touchdowns. I thought the Jaguars, though, like they had to play a perfect game to beat Kansas City, and they definitely weren't perfect. Obviously, Christian Kirk had a bad drop right before half. That would have been a long touchdown. Jamal Agnew's fumble when they were down 10. Um in the red zone about to go score to make it like maybe a three-point game. He fumbles the ball and really that sealed the deal for them. But yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, they took care of business. And like I said, all eyes will be on Mahomes and his health come the AFC Championship. Yeah, that was definitely a nasty like hit type thing or injury it looked like for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Chad Henney comes comes in the game, gets it gets it done, leads them on that on that touchdown drive i mean i had a feeling mahomes was going to come back in the game just because it's patrick mahomes but you look at this game i think the jaguars that that christian kirk drop to me i think was pretty big i wouldn't say it was like an easy catch but i mean it was very catchable for a receiver up to kirk's caliber for sure but in this game i don't know even with mahomes hurt i just i never really i never really had a doubt in in the chiefs i just thought i can't really see the jags in the AFC Championship game right now, even though they were uh, a few years ago against against the Patriots, but this I think Patrick Mahomes' health is definitely going to be important because I mean they got they got through against the Jags, but obviously the Bengals will get into them are the hot them and the 49ers definitely the hottest two two hottest teams in the NFL. I mean neither team has lost a game in in a long time, so. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes' health is going to be, like, definitely something to watch. I honestly, I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes currently, they say, has a high ankle sprain. I don't know how he can get ready and be anything higher than, like, 70%. I mean, with a high ankle sprain, unless they're just, like, injecting, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that works on ankles, like, cortisones and 
shots and like icing like every every day. But I mean, the high ankle sprain, I think it's gonna be tough for Mahomes to be able to do things he usually does. But it is Patrick Mahomes. So at the end of the day, if anyone could do it, it's him. But yeah, I mean, this was pretty much like a result I expected. Re- respect to the Jags, though. Great season. The future is definitely bright for them. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that Jags future after we just discuss more about Kansas City because you mentioned the Mahomes injury. And yeah, he's not going to clearly be at 100%. And the biggest problem is that like this team is built around. I mean, this guy's going to be the MVP of the league again for a second time. I mean, they go as far as he can take them. Their run game was all right. This past week, I thought Isaiah Pacheco, again, looked really good. I mean, he's been a revelation, the seventh-round pick out of Rutgers. But their defense played all right. Like, I don't think their defense was necessarily great in this game. I thought that Jacksonville got away from running the ball a little bit too early. I thought they had some success on the ground, even if you just look at the numbers. They ran the ball to seven and a half, over like 7.6 yards a carry. I mean, I thought, again, I know they were down most of this game, but – I'm surprised maybe you don't stick with that a little bit. I thought Jermichael Hasty gave them something, too, a little bit on the ground. Even in the receiving game, complimented um, Travis Etienne pretty well in this one. But, yeah, I mean, they still play close in this game. And I think that the Chiefs, like I said, they're not going to be able to win against Cincinnati with their defense. So it's going to be as far as Mahomes can take them. I agree with you in the sense that, like, he's – yeah, he's not – like, you said 70%. Like, I'll, I'll reiterate that. I think Mahomes at 70%, though, is still better than – Chad Henney. Chad Henney. Chad Henney, yeah, he's better than 85% of starting quarterbacks at 70%, uh, to be completely honest with you, actually. But, yeah, of course, he's better than Chad Henney as well. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, he's the go-to. They're going to have to lean on Travis Kelsey again, as we saw them do this past week. I mean, again, it just makes no sense how this guy's always open. It, it goes to show you how, like, good Andy Reid is at scheming things and just how good of a player Travis Kelsey is, how he's able to, like, kind of sometimes, like, block and release late, and he just understands defensive coverage so well to be able to get open. So, yeah, we'll talk about the Chiefs, obviously, when we're previewing that game later. But, yeah, it was just, uh, like if you ask me, it was just a taking care of business type of game for the Chiefs. Never really a big threat in this game from Jacksonville. They weren't down at any point, And it never really made it. I, like, I don't want to say they never made it a one-possession game. But, again, I don't think Jacksonville ever had a, the ball really, like, with a chance to tie the game, like, in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, yeah, because they scored to make it. 20 to 17 and then Kansas City came right back and scored a touchdown. So that was like the close point in that in that game in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. So like I said, the Chiefs took care of business in this one. The big thing will be Mahomes. Bring it back to the Jags though. Like I said, they had to play a perfect game and they definitely didn't. They had a couple of their mistakes. I mean, this is a team that's going to really rise in the AFC. I think you can kind of compare them to the Bengals maybe of last year in under Herald team with a young quarterback and in, like a young like a newish head coach. Obviously Zach Taylor, it's not a first year, but Doug Peterson it's his first year in Jacksonville. I mean, they get Calvin Ridley back next year. If they could bring back Evan Ingram, they have a really good skill group between ETN, Kirk, Ridley, Ingram, Zay Jones as well. And Trevor Lawrence is going to continue to grow and ascend. I mean, you could argue he's already a maybe at the tail end top 10 quarterback. Maybe it's a little bit of an overreaction, but he played well down the stretch. I mean, again, the Jags went on a really nice run. They were 5-8 and eight, and then one out gotten to the playoffs. So, yeah, this is definitely a team that's going to open as the betting favorite for sure, if you ask me, in the AFC South. And anything short of an AFC South title, if you ask me, next year would be a little bit disappointing because this is a team with a really high ceiling. And I don't know maybe if their Super Bowl window is open, it's opening for next year, but definitely um, high expectations there and possibly in years to come. We'll see how they do in free agency because Jacksonville is definitely a, uh, definitely a nice destination for people to go to now. Yeah, I mean, Jacksonville, you look at them, I mean, they got Calvin Ridley coming 
next season, I mean, that was a good trade from the Falcons. You got Christian Kirk, obviously, still like it's a decent receiving core. And then obviously Trevor Lawrence, I mean, ascending in the right direction for sure. This game, his stats really didn't look that pretty, but honestly, I'm not going to lie. He did not really get a lot of help. I mean, Agnew fumble, Kirk with the drop. Like, he didn't get as much help as he could have. But I think you look at the Jags, I still don't think they're on, like, that Super Bowl level even next year. I think there's, like, room to grow. But, yeah, you're looking at the AFC South. I mean, the Texans are literally a dumpster fire. I mean, the Titans are well-coached team, but realistically – Talent-wise, right now on that roster, I think the Jags are better. I mean, they beat them uh, twice. And then the Colts, I mean, right now struggling with finding a quarterback. They just keep going to these old, like, mid-guys. So you look at the Jags, I think you definitely got to put them as the favorite in the AFC South. But when it comes to the AFC, I mean, you, I, I, I said this about the Bengals last year. So, I mean, the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, but – I still think there's definitely – and I don't think it's, like, small. Like, it's not big, but it's not small. Like, it's a sizable gap between, like, the Jags and the top tier in the AFC. I mean, you're not putting them over the top three teams in the AFC for mm -hmm. sure. I don't even know if that fourth spot – I mean, like, you got to see what the Jets do. I mean, Miami, healthy. The Chargers, too, Chargers, of course. The Rams, yeah, by, by, by no means. I'm not saying that this is going to be a Super Bowl contending team. Oh, no, I'm not saying that, yeah. yeah. This is maybe a team that you could start buying some stock into. And, I mean, looking at it, not to kind of cut in here, I mean, they don't really have a lot of cap space this year, projected cap space. I'm looking at it, which is kind of surprising to me, but it, it does make sense. They did pay a lot of guys last offseason, Christian Kirk, Brendan Sheriff, Aluakon, so Fatukasi as well. So they're going to have to manipulate a little bit. I don't necessarily know how different this roster is going to look. But, again, this is a young team, and they're just only going to get better with time. So I guess that's like the hope there. That and and of course, if Lawrence ascends into top five quarterback play, like he he was supposed to, and how we see him, and how he's honestly like shown certain flashes, then it's almost like all right, well then he doesn't need as crazy of a roster around him as other quarterbacks do because he's that good, and we see how much a quarterback can carry their team. I agree. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is is a winner. I think you look at him as like a generational talent. You put him on most teams. I think like they could be a playoff team. He's not a guy who's going to be. He's not a game manager, obviously. Who's going to need like a supporting cast and a good defense. I mean, you you put Trevor Lawrence on, like he's the guy you put on a team, and they're going to be a playoff team. Like I look at him in the AFC, almost like in that category. I mean, obviously, like Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lawrence. I mean, I think the top five. I mean, Lamar. It's it's just tough. Like. It's, AFC is loaded with quarterbacks, but I think, yeah, Trevor Lawrence definitely a guy who can get it done with, like, he doesn't need a top guy on his team. And he's getting Calvin Ridley back to help him anyway. But, I mean, Trevor Lawrence has shown he's just that guy, and he could get it done with whatever is there. And they'll be, like, the franchise is going to skyrocket when he's on the team. Like, he's going to elevate his team for sure. Yeah, for sure. And with another year under Doug Peterson and their culture that they're building in Jacksonville, I'm sure there are bright things ahead. But you know what, Core? That's enough for Duval because they are eliminated. We'll see you come 2020, September wait, wait, wait. 2020. We got to talk about, like, just briefly, shout out Doug Peterson for the plus seven and a half masterclass at the end. I just wanted to shout him out for that. Yeah, I mean, for those who did take Jacksonville, 
at the number seven and a half. You had to love when they were lining up. Well, your emotions were torn because, I mean, you get uh, Agnew fumbling on, like, the five-yard line, down 10, with about five to play, and you're like, oh, boy, like, are you even going to ever get the ball back? But they do get the ball back, and they do the classic, we'll kick the field goal now, try to go for the onside kick and score the touchdown, and guess what? Everybody was happy unless you had Chiefs minus seven and a half. That was a tough loss for them. But, yeah, Doug Peterson, shout out for you cover. That's the banner that they're hanging in Jacksonville. We didn't win the Super Bowl, but we did cover seven and a half against Kansas City in the division around in 2022 for the 2022 season. We'll move on court to the Saturday night game, a game that I have no recollection of. Well, kidding, of course I do. It was a tough one. The Cinderella slipper fell off from the New York Giants as the Philadelphia Eagles embarrassed them 38 to 7. These two teams played twice in the regular season. In the first game, I believe it was in week 14, when the Eagles did anything that they wanted against the Giants offensively. And it was a lot of the same stuff. The Giants needed to play a perfect game in this one, and they did anything but arguably their worst game of the season. It started with the Eagles scoring a touchdown, and then the Giants' first three drives, they got – Daniel Jones was sacked on third down on, the on like, about the – like, in Eagles territory, they go for it on fourth and eight, don't get it. The next drive, Daniel Jones threw an interception. The third drive was a three and out. After those three offensive drives, the Giants were looking at a 21-0 deficit, and that was all she wrote. Can't go down that much against the number one seed and the talent that the Philadelphia Eagles have. They were able to run the ball, really, and control the clock for the rest of the game. I mean, the Giants played six in the box, never really made too much of an adjustment. And Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jalen Hurts were able to do whatever they wanted on the ground. There's a huge talent gap in these two teams. I mean, you even saw the Eagles front really get after Daniel Jones. It's a shame for the Giants. It's a really nice season for them. But, again, the Eagles had to remind people that um that they're legit and they were the one seed and any of the worries that, oh, this team was a little rusty with Hurts getting back in week 18 and maybe the bye wasn't the best thing for him. They eliminated all of that because they showed rather one of the best teams in football. And, again, they took care of a team that they were supposed to beat, but they really manhandled them. Yeah, I mean – Three, three times this season, the Eagles take down the Giants. And, I mean, the first one was pure domination. The second one, I mean, a lot of backups were playing. This one, obviously, another another game of domination. Yeah, I mean, the talent, the talent, uh, the talent disparity between the two teams is obviously clear. I mean, the Eagles are definitely legit. I don't think – I never doubted that even, like, stuff going on. The Eagles on both sides of the ball and – the ability to, I mean, Jalen Hurts didn't even have to do a lot in this game. I mean, he throws for 154 yards, but, I mean, they had their way on the ground. Uh, 268 rushing yards for the Eagles. So, it was just, I mean, the Eagles O-line is, is just is just really good. And in this game, it was a good story for the Giants. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the Giants, they're well-coached. I mean, Daniel Jones – had a really good season. But when you match – I, I thought their ceiling was the second round if they drew, like, Minnesota. Like, you look at the Eagles and the 49ers. I mean, even Dallas, like, they're not as talented as those three teams. So, mm-hmm. it was it was definitely a good season for the Giants. I know, I know you as a Giants fan are probably pleased with the season, and hopefully they, they pay Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, which I think they will. And yeah, I mean, maybe get Daniel Jones some more, some more weapons on the outside, whether it's through free agency or the draft. So I think the future, I wouldn't say it's like that bright, like a Super Bowl is in sight for the Giants. But I mean, I think for me, I think the word is like relevancy. I think they could be a playoff team. 
going forward, I just don't know like what there's like I don't think their ceiling right now is, is a Super Bowl. I think we would all agree on that. But I think they could be a relevant team in the NFC and like be competing for a playoff spot. Because Brian Dable obviously did a great job with this team, kind of turning around the culture with them. But yeah, I mean the Eagles just a better team. And yeah, they're definitely a dangerous team and have as good a chance, obviously, as anyone to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'll start with the Giants and stuff like that. Yeah, you. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. This is a team that definitely exceeded almost any fan's wildest expectations this year. But again, yeah, this was not like a Super Bowl winning roster. I mean, you could clearly tell by that. This wasn't necessarily even like a playoff winning roster. I mean, they had a lot of guys who they picked up in the middle of the year. They were constrained against the cap. They weren't able to really do anything in free agency thanks to Dave Gettleman and his former tenure. But Joe Shane finally has an offseason where he's not as handicapped with that stuff. Obviously, the big decisions loom with Daniel Jones, who I'm pretty sure that they're going to pay. That's what it looks like. And I think it's the right choice. I think Daniel Jones proved this year that he deserves a second contract, especially with what he was dealing with like at receiver, like Isaiah Hodgson. Darius Slayton, Richie James aren't necessarily things to write home about. It sucked that they lost Wanda Robinson. It sucked that they lost Sterling Shepard to injury. Saquon is the big X factor. I think that him, they all apparently turned down $12.5 million. The Giants, that yes, they were a divisional round team and eliminated here, but they have too many holes on their roster to really pay a running back anything more than that. So if Saquon wants a number in the McCaffrey range of $16 million, I think the Giants are going to let him walk. I mean, even if you look back at Buffalo, where Shane comes from, they don't really invest money in running backs. They've used a lot of day two picks on guys like Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook. So Saquon obviously means so much in that locker room. He said he wants to be back in New York. I think there's a way that they can come to a team-friendly deal in the sense and make both parties work. But, yeah, they have a lot of other holes on their roster that it would suck to see Saquon leave as a giant, but unfortunately there is a business side to things. They desperately need a number one wide receiver. Obviously, as you've seen some quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, for example, this year, take that next step with them bringing in A.J. Brown. Jones needs a bona fide number one to maybe see what else can we get out of him because he was able to do so well in Dable's system. So now if we get him that necessary weapon that he needs, like maybe he can go even higher than he played in that game against Minnesota. So I'm definitely excited for what the future holds. Definitely need to refix their their linebacking core too. Their middle linebackers were a mess this year. Tremaine Edmonds will be the big guy who I have my eyes on, the linebacker from Buffalo. He's a good coverage backer as well. He would be an awesome fit in Wink Martindale's system. But I'll bring it back to Philadelphia because Philadelphia still is playing. I believe they are actually the betting favorite as well to win the Super Bowl right now. And I honestly think they should, Core. Howie Roseman just deserves a ton of credit for how he's built this roster. I mean, we mentioned last episode, I believe, like Hassan Reddick was one of the best free agency signings, really, of this last offseason. I mean, he was one of the league leaders in sacks. He gets a ton of pressure. He, Evan Neal had his hands full with him all night on Saturday night. And just like how he was able to ascend this roster. I mean, if you look a couple of years back, the Eagles had that whole saga with like Wentz and finally getting rid of him. And then like last year, they were right. It seemed like they like overachieved a little bit. We, we said they were like the only team that didn't beat a playoff team last year, even though they were a playoff team. And now this year to arguably the best roster, I think you could say from top to bottom in the league and a Super Bowl favorite on championship weekend so, yeah, I mean, hats all go up to Howie Roseman and really Jalen Hurts, too, for taking the next step, as well as Nick Sirianni. I mean, he's a very good coach. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator as well. So, yeah, as much as it hates me to say, being a Giants fan, the Eagles have really, I mean, taken this rebuild by storm. I mean, they've done an outstanding job in, in like, such a quick amount of time. 
Yeah, you look at this Eagles roster, I think it is absolutely stacked. And I think another thing, also, you look at the Eagles, they think oh, it was like besides quarterback position, they are pretty stacked, like D-line, O-line. They have a good run game, just like all the way across the board. And I think Jalen Hurts' emergence, having an MVP-type season, just makes this team just a very dangerous team. Like, I don't know. Like, they're just very physical on the offensive line. I mean, D-line, they get after you. It's just – yeah, even even on the outside. Like, you looked at this team in in the past. They were, they were going with guys – I remember they were going with what's his name like Greg Ward was I yeah like I, a couple of years ago. I'm this I mean, guy. I'm sorry to cut you off again. Like we yeah. had, like we haven't even talked about earlier their outsides. I mean on offense they have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, yeah. and on defense their corners are Darius Slay and James Bradbury. I mean those are four arguable sure. Pro Bowlers. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and I mean not on the outside. Like Dallas Goddard's a very good mm-hmm. tight end. It's just the Eagles are a very good team. Yeah, I was just gonna make a joke like I. I was picking up Greg Ward back in the day on waivers because I'm a terrible drafter, and I was like, they got, they got no other receivers, so I'm gonna pick up Greg Ward when they have like Travis Fulgham. Fulgham, I completely forgot about him. He was he was kind of a fantasy stud for a few games, not gonna lie, but and then he kind of just like I don't know, really disappeared. disappeared. Yeah, but the, definitely the rebuild that the Eagles have had, I think, definitely doesn't get talked about enough. Like people are just saying. Like, yeah, they have a very – like a Super Bowl roster, which they do, but no one brings up the roster that it was like two, three years ago. I mean, the Eagles were always a team like supposed to compete for the playoffs, I feel, just because like people thought Carson Wentz was like good. And the Eagles are just – I don't know. I mean, Philly's a big city, just like a franchise who people think are going to compete. But at the end of the day – um the rebuild has been crazy. So credit to their front office and everything because this team, I think, is really good. And the future, I think, is bright because it's not necessarily like an old team. I mean, out on the offense, it's definitely not. I don't know. I mean, their own line might be, but definitely a really good future for the Eagles. And I don't know. We'll see how their uh, their future – I mean, how their season will finish off this year. Yeah, I mean, personally, Core, just look at our teams. I mean, the Jets haven't won a playoff game since 2010. The Giants won their first playoff game since that Super Bowl, the 2011, like, well, played in 2012 Super Bowl. The Eagles won the Super Bowl five years ago with a different quarterback, a different head coach, went through a rebuild, and are now Super Bowl favorites again. In Like, it's absurd, like, if you think about that turnaround. It really is. And now, like, the, there's a lot of turnover on that roster, too. You have Co- Fletcher Cox. Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, and me. I think that I could be wrong. There could be a couple other like minor guys, but like the rest of those guys are all new who they've brought in. Like they have done an outstanding job rebuilding this roster. It's all for nothing, technically, if they lose this week to San Francisco, but for them, hopefully they don't. And We'll have to wait and see. We'll definitely preview that game in a little bit. Instead, Corey, we got to get on to Sunday's games this past week. I mean, we'll start first with probably the biggest surprise of the week, if you ask me. The Giants had the worst loss. If you just look at score and how many points they lost by, but nobody should be more embarrassed this week than the Buffalo Bills. I mean, a 27-10 loss at home when DeMar Hamlin was there in his suite or whatever. You couldn't really see him with the snow, but it was just a coaching masterclass by the Cincinnati Bengals. Luana Rumo, the defensive coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals, does not get a lot of love 
enough love, I should say. I mean, for the job that he's done with this Bengals unit, we instantly look at the Bengals. We think of Joe Burrow. We think of T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. But the defense was a story. Again, holding that offense to only 10 points is incredible. Uh, they were way more physical on the defensive line. I mean, they got after Josh Allen, made his life uncomfortable all day. Stephon Diggs, they took him completely out of the game. Only four catches, 35 yards. And on offense, the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow was efficient, got the ball where he needed to be. I don't think anybody would say that he played like a superstar performance game. They were just able to push Buffalo around. I said Buffalo's D-line was an X factor of the postseason. I mean, yeah, look what happened when they didn't show up. They didn't show up, and they got bullied all day up front. Cincinnati was able to run the ball whenever they wanted with three backup offensive linemen. Burrow had one, didn't really face any pressure all day. And because of that, the Bills are going home again, disappointed. And this was a team that looked like they were right there on their Super Bowl window when they lost in 2020 to the Chiefs in that AFC championship game. And since then, they haven't made it back there. So definitely going to be a long offseason in Buffalo. But Cincinnati, like, it was a little bit disrespectful to see them at six-point underdogs this week, and they showed people that they are a force to be reckoned with. I mean, this is a really good Cincinnati Bengals team, probably the best Bengals that we've seen, even though they went through – like, even with them being a Super Bowl team, like, losing in the Super Bowl last year, this is a better team now than they were last year for sure. You look at the the Bengals, definitely – this. I think this game definitely makes me, like, just say the Bengals are – legit like they could easily be the best team in the AFC I mean right now you're looking at them gonna have to go into Kansas City against a hobbled Patrick Mahomes most likely and that would be two straight years of going to the Super Bowl I remember last year pal we were talking about the Bengals and it was like what are they from here and hey I kind of look like a casual I guess I mean I guess I gotta give credit to Joe Burrow but in the whole Bengals team not just Joe Burrow but I was kind of saying, I, I think you look at them and it was almost like a fluke. Mm -hmm. We kind of all thought that. like we thought. It was no, like I 100% agreed. I thought this was a team that even though they went to the Super Bowl, they were maybe like 10 and 7 and not even win the division. Like maybe Baltimore takes the AFC North with Lamar healthy for a full season. 100%. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go shy away right now. I was definitely in agreement with you that there was kind of a fluky run, which I even think the Bengals would admit to an extent. Maybe it was a little fluky, but this year they have completely proven that it was no fluke. For sure. They definitely, in this game, I mean, kind of dominated. I mean, even without guys on the old line still kind of beat up the bank, the Bills D line, and then on the, the, the Bengals D line was getting to Josh Allen all day. So, I mean, this team. Looked really dangerous in this one. And just something about Joe Burrow, it's just he's just got like a confidence and like swagger type thing. It's just like an it fact an it factor for him. It's just like when he's on your team, like you just like, I don't know. He definitely elevates the team just off seems like almost like his mentality and just his presence. He just gets job done. Like people are gonna think after this, Joe Burrow is better than Josh Allen. Like, no, I still think Josh Allen is a better all-around, like, gifted quarterback than Joe Burrow. But just something about Burrow is he's a winner. And Josh Allen, really, at this level, I mean, he's made it to an AFC championship game. What was it, two years ago? And, I mean, divisional round losses back-to-back -back years. I'm not going to call the guy a loser. He does make the playoffs, but he really hasn't gotten over the hump to get to a Super Bowl, like the Bills, pretty much, I know they've had injuries a lot to overcome. He even had an elbow injury this year 
they were supposed to like, – they were the favorites to win the Super Bowl early in this year when they were dominating teams. But, I mean, a divisional round playoff loss, definitely not there. That was not their goal. So, definitely disappointing ending for them. But, yeah, the Bengals, I mean, they're on the cusp of – I'm not, I'm not going to jinx them. Like, you're on, they're on the cusp of back-to-back Super Bowls. And, yeah, I mean – I gotta, I gotta give credit to them because I thought it was kind of a fluke. I was like, they're still not better than Buffalo or Kansas City, and here we are, the following season, and they're in the AFC Championship game, and definitely have a legit chance to get back to the Super Bowl. So credit to them, they're, they're absolutely rolling, and yeah, they're definitely a scary team right now. Yeah, I mean, we talked about the Jags rebuild earlier and kind of the Giants rebuilding and the Philadelphia, too. I mean, the Bengals deserve a whole lot of credit, too, because this has been a really quick turnaround, especially under Zach Taylor. It was bad in the beginning, but now look what it's come to. Again, one win away from back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. He deserves a lot of love. Like I said, Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, deserves a lot of love. I'm glad you brought up the Burrow versus Allen debate because that's going to be a hot topic on social media. I'm in agreement still. It's still Josh Allen. I mean, even if you just look at supporting cast, the Bills roster outside of Allen, I do not think, especially this past Sunday, was not as strong as the Bengals roster outside of Joe Burrow. And, yeah, but I do think that Joe Burrow and stuff like that, like people just galvanize towards him. He must be – a top three leader in the NFL right now. Like, no doubt about it. Like, clearly he has his guys confident because it's so obvious the Bengals just get up. They get up for these types of games and stuff. And you're right. They have just, like, so much confidence in themselves as a team, whether it's Zach Taylor or it is Burrow, who they're able to get around. I mean, it's not a coincidence, again, that Burrow comes to LSU. They have – and I know they had a lot of talent and stuff like that, but still, like – you know what I mean? Like, at at the end of the day, sometimes you can't just be like, well, maybe the guy's not a talented – like – Clearly, the guy has a huge impact, like, like on like the intangible side of thing and the mental side of the game that not enough people recognize and stuff. He's again, like between the ears, he is. If you ask me, like the closest thing to Brady, like in the NFL, like that's just what it seems like to me. Like I said, this was a team last year that had no business going where they were, and again this year going into Buffalo with all the circumstances going around, and they just shellacked them. Like it wasn't even close. Going on to Buffalo now, what's next for them? I mean, like I said, kind of regressed a little bit, like, from final result. That Again, this was a team that was dominant all year. Their three losses were all close games. They never really played from behind this year outside of that Ravens game. So maybe that was a little bit of unfamiliar territory. They went down early in this one, 14-0. They desperately need to get another weapon on offense. Um Outside of Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis as your number two receiver isn't going to cut it. They don't really have a slot receiver. I think that that was a role last year that Cole Beasley filled, and that was a big part of their offense, and then it kind of disappeared this year. Isaiah McKenzie stepped into that role, and he was all right in certain weeks. I mean, they tried to bring back Beasley. Khalil Shakir didn't really get as much of a run until late. They also need to figure out a run game, too. You're the Buffalo Bills, and you're going to play in Buffalo, New York. You have to be able to run the football, and they just don't. I mean, again, maybe it's not necessarily all in the running backs. Their offensive line got beat up this past week, and they definitely need to make a commitment this offseason. I know Josh Allen is Superman, but you can't ask him every single week to throw the ball 40 yards down the field and roll out and scramble and, again, continue to do that on a weekly basis. It's just unsustainable, and, like, the Bengals kind of took that away from him this week, and it was it, it, it was really ugly, as you could see. They lose Jordan Poyer and Jermaine Edmonds. They're both free agents. Not necessarily lose, but they will both be in free agency. So they have to make those decisions on the defensive side of the ball. But, yeah, like I said, I think the biggest thing for sure is they have to find some sort of a run game and some sort of an offense outside 
of Josh Allen because it's just like they put a whole, they put a lot in play. I mean, we've said before that there's no player that's like does more in their offense than Allen, even more than like Mahomes. Like there's more put on Allen's play. Like Mahomes, Allen has to carry the Bills more than Mahomes has to carry the Chiefs. Like if Chad Henney came in for the Bills, there's no way Chad Henney was going on a 98-yard touchdown drive. That's just impossible, not happening. So, yeah, Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator there in his first year, kind of mixed results. So they have to look themselves in the mirror because they're right in the middle of a Super Bowl window right now, and they cannot waste prime years of Josh Allen. So I I think they'll make the necessary changes. Brandon Dean's a really good GM. But, yeah, I mean, I'm curious if you're, like, kind of in agreement with me on the offensive side of things that they kind of need to start running. Like, they need to really commit. Not not just get a running back and throw a lot of money at, like, a guy like Saquon or Josh Jacobs. They have to commit to building a running game up front as well. I agree with you 100%. I mean, Josh Allen definitely has to do a lot for this offense. I think Josh Allen's slander, I don't really like at all. I mean, you – Neither do I. Listen, listen. He led – I'm sorry to cut you off again. He led the league in turnovers, and I 100% understand that. But when you see, like – like, you have to understand also why he leads the league in turnovers because look what he's asked to do. You know what I mean? The amount of plays that he's asked to make, it's more than anybody else. It's kind of, like, uh-huh. unfair to just, like, be like, oh, that's why he can't be, like, a top-two quarterback because that's his turnovers. Well, that's, like – that that's bogus. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm a big basketball guy. I mean, you look like a few years ago, I remember like Russell Westbrook when he was on like the Thunder averaging like a triple-double. He led the league in turnovers, but I mean, it's because the ball is like in your hand all mm-hmm. the time. You're asked to do so much. I mean, I'm just translating it to basketball. I mean, Josh Allen is either asked to run or, I mean, make Superman-esque throws and just be like that guy. And he could, but I mean, at the end of the day, like you do need – help they definitely have to commit to a run game and get another receiver you know pay a guy i was thinking could play the slot could play the outside unrestricted free agent sign a one-year deal with kansas city i mean yeah schuster mm-hmm. uh, in buffalo i don't know how the guy i mean he's played in uh cold weather i'm i think playing with josh allen i think juju's a guy i mean look wherever he's gone recently i mean even on the steelers he kind of was a I wouldn't say he was, like, the guy, but, like, he didn't have – like, you look at him behind A.B. and he was 1,400 yards. And, I mean, Deontay Johnson, decent this year. He's kind of still, like – I mean, Travis Kelsey's a tight end, but you look on the outside, like, kind of number one receiver. You put him in Buffalo, I mean, Stephon Diggs is a top receiver in the league. I think he'd go nice, like, nicely with him. I mean, Gabe Davis, too. I would put Juju at wide receiver two, Gabe at number three. And then, yeah, I mean, you commit to a run game. I think, yeah, the Bills, I mean, with Josh Allen, I think you could win with Josh Allen. you got to just build around him and not – he is Superman, but you can't expect him to just be a one-man wrecking crew and just single-handedly get you to the Super Bowl. Like, you're going to have to build around him. So I think maybe a weapon on the outside. The O-line, I think, kind of was a little beat up in this game, but – um, definitely a run game also, unless they think James Cook could be the guy. But if you can go out and get a guy like Saquon and Josh Jacobs in a strong running back class, I think that would be great. But the Bills, to me, I still think coming into next season are Super Bowl or bust. I mean, if they can upgrade in areas that they're weakened in that we just talked about, I think the Bills could still be right there. Like, it's, it's, it's sad they lost, but – Still a top team in the NFL. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty hard on the Bills, definitely for sure right now, but that's because they were 13-3 and three core. They lost that Vikings game by three points. They lost the game to the Jets by three points, and their other loss was to the Dolphins by two. I mean, they lost their three games by combined eight points. Of course, I'm going to be hard on the team that, like, you know what I mean? That, that this, this was not a team that was supposed to lose on the second weekend in the playoffs. So I will be hard on them. This is te- a team that's not many pieces away. They dealt with injuries. No Bob Miller. Micah Hyde was also out. So the, DeMar Hamlin, even too, they were on like they were on their third string safety. So there are still a lot of pieces there, but for sure they have to like the sense of urgency is definitely taking a little bit in Buffalo. And they have to commit to certain things and they gotta try to push their chips a little bit more into the table and stuff. Because even like you look at like Mahomes is also Superman, but the Chiefs like don't ask him every single play to do it like Buffalo does, which I think which and it makes Mahomes even that much more effective because then when he is like rolls out and makes those crazy improv plays, like you know what I'm saying? Then it just like it makes it that much more dangerous and that much more special because it's like even that much like less frequent and stuff. But we'll move on to the last game of the weekend, the 49ers against the Cowboys. The 49ers are victorious in this one, 19-12, as, as I have core on our outline. America's team misses the conference championship for a 27th straight year. Yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, so yesterday was Monday. It was the best day of the year, Cowboys Elimination Day. You got to see Skip Bayless and Michael Irvin all upset. Questions about Dak Prescott and his future. Listen, I thought the Cowboys had a pretty high ceiling this year, and they played really well with the 49ers. I don't think – you should take anything away from them in that sense. I mean, their defense really hung with the 49ers offense. I thought late in the second half, and like especially that big drive was on like when it was 9-9. They started to really run the football well. San Francisco, like late into the third quarter and early into the fourth quarter. That was also the drive that George Kittle made that incredible one-handed catch. And then McCaffrey was able to cap that off with a touchdown and made it 16-9. I mean, Purdy didn't play great and left the door wide open for Dallas to win this game, but Dak Prescott was just inefficient. Only 200 yards in the air, two interceptions, that bad one before half in the red zone. I know he's going against a top-ranked defense, but again, when you're the Dallas Cowboys, when you're Dak Prescott and you have that much spotlight, like you got to show up a little bit bigger in a bigger spot. CeeDee Lamb had a great game. Nobody else really was a big receiving threat. That's something that Dallas desperately needs, or they need Michael Gallup to get back to his pre-ACL tear form. But yeah, missed opportunity for Dallas, but at the end of the day, the 49ers defense is the best in the league, and they showed again on Sunday. Why? And although they weren't great in the first half offensively, and like I said, Purdy didn't have his best game, he was good enough. He outplayed Prescott, and they were able to lean on that killer run game that they have and ride it into the home stretch and were victorious. This game was a, a game I thought Dallas could win, but at the end of the day, I just like thought it was Dallas. Like They just somehow don't get over the hump, and I mean, you look, you're going against Brock Purdy. I honestly had a feeling this game, like 46 and a half, I thought was a lot of points. I just thought in this one, I thought Dallas would be able to get to to Brock Purdy and like limit him. And I thought like, yeah, the Niners defense is good enough to hang with anybody. So I expected that to like, just not that many points. And obviously it was like that. But in this game, Dallas at the end, Obviously, like, just couldn't couldn't get it done. I mean, Dak in, in this game kind of takes another a, a step backwards. I don't know what the future holds for, for Dak Prescott. I mean, I think it was kind of a dis- definitely a disappointing season for him. He had a good game against Tampa, but besides that, towards the end, he was kind of brutal. And, yeah, like, C.D. Lamb made that great catch on the left sideline. 
in the second half. But, I mean, Tony Pollard goes down, definitely hurts their offense. But this game definitely was there for the taking, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. For, uh, for Dallas, just couldn't get it done. Another year of disappointment. You know, I mean, it's the Dallas Cowboys, but I kind of – I feel bad for the for the fans sometimes because like they got a pretty passionate fan base and this team is usually a talented team who I mean the last two years you, you had to think if you're a Dallas team you're like oh this this is the year and then the 49ers get them both years but Brock Purdy still hasn't lost I know you wanted to talk about it do I think like Brock Purdy is going to be the starter for next year personally I I mean, I don't think – I think if Trey Lance is good, it, it, they're going to give it to Trey Lance. But you – if like, if you want to just get into that right now, like, if they mm-hmm. – if the job is for Trey Lance, you want to talk about, like, pressure, think – you could think of it two ways. Like, Jimmy it's, G and – I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off. It's Wentz and Foles a couple of years back. Do you remember that? When, like, Wentz, like, uh-huh. started after Foles, like, won the – and like, the Super Bowl MVP and stuff like that, the Super Bowl for them. And then, like, they played Wentz, and, like, the team, like, just booed him. That's going to be Lance if he goes out there. They, he's going to have the tightest leash ever if they if they still keep Purdy on the roster. You know what I mean? Like, there is a ton of pressure on Trey Lance now. I agree. I mean, especially because Jimmy G just led them to the NFC Championship game before this and a Super Bowl, like, before that. And Brock Purdy, I mean, he's in the NFC Championship game right now. See, the thing I think about Trey Lance is if you look at him, like Purdy and Jimmy D are more like game manager type QBs right now. And you look at the Niners, like that's kind of all they need. I think Trey Lance, his ceiling could like definitely lead them to a Super Bowl. But I mean, Trey Lance, I think is more, his ceiling is higher than both these guys. So you plug him in and like he does his thing, they're going to be a really good team. But I think his floor, I've said stuff like this before, like I think his floor is below guys like Jimmy G and Purdy just because those guys are more like game managers. Like Trey Lance could turn the ball over. I mean, he's a young quarterback and we got that much experience. Like that happens. The team isn't going to like reach like the NFC championship game. So I think you talk about pressure is definitely a lot of pressure on Trey Lance. If he is the guy personally, what would you do if you were the Niners? Because I think they're going to ride. I think they're going to give it to Lance and Jimmy G or Brock Purdy will be gone. One of them will be the backup and, like, Lance will be on a tight leash. But, like, do you think they could potentially deal Lance or Purdy or Jimmy G? Like, what do you think is going to happen? All right, so Garoppolo is a free agent, right? So Garoppolo now is completely done. Like, he's he, there, there's no thought if you ask him at Garoppolo. He's played his last game as a 49er unless, like, he, actually he might come back this week. He could technically be the backup this week. They were talking about that. So unless something crazy were to happen, he's probably played his last snaps as a San Francisco 49er. Now, the whole thing was with the draft with Lance was that, like, maybe Mac Jones was their guy because he was more of, like, Shanahan's type. But if Shanahan really liked Mac Jones, right, but then maybe ownership and maybe general manager John Lynch was like, look at the ceiling of Lance. It's too much to pass up. And, like, Lance was kind of forced on Shanahan. Now he sees how good Purdy's been playing. Then I think Shanahan's almost like, well, like, let's go. Like, I'm rocking with Purdy. Like, he fits me well and stuff like that. But – I just have a bet. Like there's, I, I personally think they should go with Lance. I get it. they traded up for him. They spent two additional first round picks to move up, along with their third overall pick. That to not really give him a fair shot would be crazy. And the ceiling on Trey Lance is astronomical, especially if Purdy is to lose. Even in the Super Bowl, if they were to win a beat Philadelphia, but then lose in the Super Bowl, this is now t- like you've seen kind of like the limitations that like 
Garoppolo first, bringing them to a Super Bowl, and br- like not being able to win that big game finally and bring them a Lombardi trophy. So if Purdy's unable to do it, maybe you do need that next step at quarterback in Trey Lance. And I agree with you. Maybe the floor could be a little bit lower, but the ceiling could be so much higher. And like, I think Lance could be playing at a Purdy level. Like, I don't want to say like, that's like, I think that's very realistic. Like I, I would be shocked if Trey Lance got into this system and played worse than Brock Purdy is right now. But then on top of his athleticism and other things, I personally do think unless they're blown away with a trade offer, unless like a team were to offer like a first round pick for Purdy, which isn't going to happen, or a team were to offer like a first plus more for Lance, I don't think they should trade either of them. I think they should keep them because Lance still has two years plus his fifth year option. Purdy has three cheap years. So I think you could keep them for next year, right? Say if like Lance put like like give Lance a little bit of space, right? It sucks for Purdy that he's gonna like you have to get benched, but give Lance a fair shot. And if Lance struggles, then maybe reevaluate at the end of the year and be like, look, we're gonna go back to Brock and stuff like that, and then move on from Trey Lance. But yeah, I think they should stay with two. Sometimes it's people say if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks because again, about how much pressure would be on Lance. But I think it would be extremely short-sighted not to give Trey Lance an opportunity, especially if they don't win the Super Bowl. Because, like, you, like, Jimmy G brought you to a Super Bowl, but you still moved on from him and went with Lance as a successor because you realized that, like, you thought that was your ceiling. So now, like, you have a guy in Purdy who, yeah, it's playing, like, a little better than Garoppolo, I guess. But, like, again, like, you don't know when the shoe's going to fall off with Purdy. Again, I don't want to sit here and say that, like, take anything away from the guy, but he was a seventh round pick. You know what I mean? I know Brady, of course, pick 199, but how often is that going to, you know what I mean? So like, and it's also not like Purdy is like completely like wowing you. He's been great in the system and stuff like that. But I think it would be a really bad move for the 49ers to either start with Lance on the bench or to trade Lance for under market value. If they got a really good deal from Lance, I could understand them moving on from him. But I don't know. I think that it would just be like, I don't think they should move on from Lance personally. I think they should stay with Purdy. But I'm curious, like what you think about, San Francisco's roster and that Purdy supporting cast compared to like Jalen Hurts' supporting cast. Who do you think has a better roster? Philadelphia outside of the quarterback position or San Francisco outside of the quarterback position? Because it's pretty close. That's a great question. Personally, I mean, it's honestly, that's honestly a really good question. Looking at it, I think defensively, I'll go with the Niners, but then on offense, it's kind of tough. Like, if you're going to tell me who's the best player, like offensive player, like a skill position on both teams, I'll probably say CMC and I mean Debo maybe, but it's just like I think AJ Brown's just like a very reliable guy. Like Debo's more like somewhat of a gadget receiver. I mean Devontae Smith's very underrated. It's tough. I'll probably side with the Niners, but I I like the Eagles receiving core and and everything a lot. Miles Sanders had a good season too. But I'll I'll side with the Niners slightly, just because like they they both just are so they're both very well rounded. Like they both even have top tight ends too. So yeah, I'll give the Niners the slight advantage as like the better roster. Maybe I mean you look at defenses. I'd say for sure the Eagles have their secondary is is better like on the outside for sure. But I mean the linebackers for the 49ers are really good. I'll give the slight edge to the 49ers. Yeah, I think if you took an average, they're probably the same, if you want to say like that. I think that the Eagles, across all 21 positions outside of the quarterback, are probably more balanced. But I think that like some of the top-end talent, like Philadelphia doesn't have 
a defensive player as good as Fred Warner or Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. They don't have an offensive player as good as Christian McCaffrey, or you could even, I mean, George Kittle, you didn't even mention in that statement too, as well. You know what I mean? Even Trent Williams, like I think is better than, and I know Lane Johnson is an unbelievable right tackle. Jordan Mulata is a good left tackle. Kelsey is a good center. But I think Trent Williams is a better offensive lineman than anybody on Philadelphia's offensive line. But as a unit, Philadelphia's offensive line is definitely better than San Francisco's as well as Philadelphia's defensive line. I'm just asking that too, because then it like brings us back to the Purdy and Lance conversation. Then it's like, okay, well, the 49ers have a really good roster, maybe particularly better than Philadelphia. Like if you were to lose now with that better roster, like how can you stick with him then? And like, you know what I mean? Keep going with him. So that, that's, that's kind of like my thought process on that. That's where I was trying to bring that up. And we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more in our game pick. The one last thing I'll talk about in this game and stuff, I'll just talk about Dallas real quick. They're not realistically moving on from Dak. Again, this was a team that had Super Bowl aspirations. They have to figure out what they want to do with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott is actually a really bad core. Like, if he was a free agent, I think I think I said this to you, like, how much money would Zeke get in free agency? Like, and we were, like, he wouldn't get anything. Like, he's just not really valuable anymore. Hopefully he's, like, has a like resurgence next season for Dallas, but I don't know. They're, again, they're not too, too far, but they need, they need, need Michael Gallup to get back to the pre-ACL form because they spent a lot of money on him. It was like five years, 60 plus million. And they traded Amari Cooper and Gallup was really a non-factor this season. And Dalton Schultz too is a free agent. They have to figure out what they want to do with him. Core, before we get into our game picks, we're talking a little bit about the rumor mill. Not too, too much because obviously these, these rumors and stuff like that, they're going to come into fruition like maybe next week and stuff like that when there's no game, maybe after the Super Bowl, of course, and as we get closer to the new NFL season. But, Core, I can't help but talk about Aaron Rodgers and the talks that the Packers would be willing to potentially part with him. And, I mean, I think there are only two real destinations for Rodgers. They say maybe they want multiple firsts for him. The New York Jets, Core, are completely going to be on that list. And the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, I know you're going to be biased here, so I'm not even going to make you have to choose which one you think Rodgers should go to. I'll I'll take the Vegas side of the argument. Core, why should Aaron Rodgers want to go to the Jets more than Vegas? And why should the Jets want to pay him, the, his, like take on his contract and give up two first-round picks for him? Or do you think they should go a different way? I'll leave that on the table too. The Jets, I mean, I think you look at it and you, you just want an upgraded quarterback. I mean, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is a legend in, in this game, I think. If you want it, like in Aaron Rodgers, New York, like bringing in a star like that, I think uh, also helps. Aaron Rodgers definitely elevates the Jets. I mean, I was texting you today. Like, obviously, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, just like, I don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers is not going to win another Super Bowl, honestly, wherever he goes. But, I mean, the, if you if like the Jets, I think, are more attractable, honestly, than Vegas. Besides Vegas, playing in Vegas, having like warm weather, nice – a nice stadium. I think it opens, but it's kind of inside. And then, I mean, going back to playing with Devontae Adams, but the Jets have a top defensive unit in the league. I mean, Garrett Wilson could be Aaron Rodgers' guy. I mean, Elijah Moore didn't really have a great season. I didn't really get that many targets, but he's definitely a talented receiver. He's got a, he would have a good run game. He'd have a supportive fan base. I mean, I think the Jets would be, to me, a better option. I mean, I think – the Jets' ceiling with Rodgers is higher than, like, Vegas's ceiling, honestly, with Rodgers, to be honest. I mean, Devontae Adams would probably, go, would probably go crazy, but I don't know. As a Jets fan, I wouldn't, like, 
not like dying for the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, definitely an upgrade. I don't like. I don't think it makes them a Super Bowl. Like a, it's like a very borderline Super Bowl contender with Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he's at the stage in his career where, I mean, he said he's he said he thinks he could. St- he said he didn't say he thinks. He said he can still play at an MVP level. So maybe the guy just needs a change of scenery. He's been in Green Bay his whole career. Maybe he's kind of done with it. I mean, he has not really great weapons on the outside. So I don't know. Maybe a change of team would help him, but I think the Jets definitely are more um, better option for him than Vegas. And I think the Jets were going to trade two first, you're saying, for Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers. Personally, I, I guess, no, nah, I would do that. Aaron Rodgers definitely a huge upgrade from Zach Wilson and Mike White. So two first for me, even at 39, I'd honestly do for, for Aaron Rodgers if I'm the Jets. Yeah, real quick, I'll just touch on the Vegas sides of things. Yeah, I think they would do that trade in a heartbeat as well. They had a disappointing season. Derek Carr moving on from Josh McDaniels, like a couple of real questionable coaching decisions. So who knows like how secure his job is. So he's going to be eager to go with a veteran quarterback if they miss out on Brady. I think that Rodgers obviously makes a lot of sense, but I don't think that necessarily puts them into Super Bowl like talks right away. I think the one benefit maybe for Rodgers to want to go to Vegas would be working with McDaniels, who's probably a better offensive mind than anybody the Jets would hire. Like, I thought Derek – like, their offense was pretty efficient if you look at expected points added this year. So, bringing Rodgers into that system should definitely only help that, and they would have to bring back Josh Jacobs as well. But going with the Jets, yeah, I think the Jets are just more complete roster. If you look at – if Rodgers were on the Jets this year, the Jets probably would have won 11, 12 games – so he should like it's it's a better overall roster. He should definitely want to go there too as well because he could pick his offensive coordinator. Who knows? Maybe he'll reunite with Nathaniel Hackett, who was his offensive coordinator in Green Bay. With that being said, though, from the Jets side of things, I think it's a deal you have to do. But I don't. I think people might overreact to it a little bit because if Rodgers right was on the Jets this past year, right, they had an unbelievable defense there, and they're, they're still young, so they're going to only get better and stuff like that. But that's also saying Rodgers isn't going to decline a little bit. Rodgers is going to give you the same level of play that he did last year, uh, like when he was an MVP or even this year, which he wasn't great, but he was still like a lot better than anybody the Jets tried it out. I still don't think the Jets were like a top three team in the AFC this year, even if you put Rodgers on their team. Next year, I think they're debatably the third best. Like depending on what Buffalo does in the offseason, I still think Buffalo would be better than them. So maybe it's four. Don't get me wrong. Do I think they're a Super Bowl contender? Yeah, but I still think there's like, a little more that needs to be done. They dealt with a lot of injuries too, but they would need Rodgers to play at a pretty, I don't want to say MVP level because he definitely doesn't know, but I think he would need to play better than he did this past season, somewhere in the middle ground between last year and this season for them to be a true like Super Bowl contender and like win a Super Bowl with the Jets supporting guests. But they're young and they're only going to get better. So I think it's a good spot for them to go to the Jets. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think they should trade the two first. Obviously, they would have to plan for life without him. But right now, you got a lot of young guys on a lot of rookie contracts. Swing for the fences, Jets. Enough with this Jimmy Garoppolo. Enough with the Derek Carr talks. You know, go get the best quarterback who's going to be available. That's going to be Aaron Rodgers. And again, with the roster that you've built, you deserve to see if you guys can go win a Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers is going to give you that best chance if you ask me. With that being said, Corey, we'll 
Stay away now from the Aaron Rodgers rumors until next week. And we will get into our game picks, the ones that are relevant for this weekend. Championship weekend will start first with the 49ers traveling to Philadelphia in the NFC. The Eagles are two and a half point favorites. I will start with you, Cor. Who's going to win this game? And give me a why they're going to win this game. The Eagles minus two and a half. I like them at home. I think why? I think I think Jalen Hurts' ability to be more of a game manager uh, uh, than Brock Purdy, I think, will get it done. I think both teams have good defenses. So, I don't know. I think Jalen Hurts in this one, his ability to do more than what's, like, asked of him. Like, he'll do more than, like, the, the – I mean, Purdy threw for four touchdowns against Seattle, but, like, he's not going to be a game manager. He can do things with his legs. He can get stuff done, and I just think – I mean, obviously it's going to be a battle between the the Eagles O-line and the 49ers D-line, and I just think – I think the Eagles are going to get a little bit the better of them, and I think – I don't – I think Purdy is going to struggle a little bit in this game. I think what's going to happen if it gets off track and they're not in front and he has to do stuff in, in a hostile Philly crowd – I'm going to side with Philly uh, to move on to the Super Bowl and cover minus two and a half. Yeah, I mean, I talked to you earlier about what roster was better and them being pretty even outside of the quarterback position. I think there is a clear talent disparity at the quarterback position. That's why I'm going to side with the Eagles here. It's been an awesome story for Brock Purdy. However, the Eagles are, I believe, third all-time in sacks, if you include the playoffs, like in a single season. So they're able to get after the the quarterback. I think they had four guys with over 10-plus sacks. They're able to rotate a lot of guys. So I think that's a way that they can win this game and make Purdy force them into some mistakes. Obviously, they have awesome skill players, the 49ers, but the Philadelphia Eagles have guys to be able to match that. I think if the 49ers are able to run the ball and get ahead early, they can make Jalen Hurts' life really tough on them. But I anticipate this being a real close game, and at the end of the day, I think Jalen Hurts will do a little bit more. And as as good as the San Francisco 49ers defense is, I think it's just not going to be good enough to overcome one quarterback being an MVP candidate while the other quarterback being good but maybe not being enough. And again, even if Purdy played to like a good level in this game, I think Purdy would have to make some really impressive plays to put the Niners over the head. And with that, I'm still going to side with the Eagles defense. And I'll side with the Eagles at two and a half points. Which brings us to our AFC battle core. The Bengals are one and a half point favorites on the road against the Chiefs. Obviously, the big question will be Patrick Mahomes' health. I'll start with you again, Corey. Do the Bengals improve to 4-0 against the Chiefs in a year plus? Yeah, I and mean, what's stopping me from taking the Bengals in this one? I, I think the Bengals are definitely going to win this game. I hate to say, like, definitely, but if you look at the Bengals, I think the, what would make the Chiefs, like, a better team is, is Patrick Mahomes. I think outside of that, Maybe yeah, the the Chiefs O line, but everything everything else, like most other uh, things, I'm taking like the Bengals. I mean, I think they have honestly a better all around team. And if Patch Mahomes has a high ankle sprain, I uh, I don't think I can really back the Chiefs even at home. I think people are gonna want to take the Chiefs because they've lost three games in a row. I mean, Patrick Mahomes lost three times to Joe Burrow. They're gonna say like, how could he lose four? But if you have a high ankle sprain. I mean, he does have, like, a week. He does have, like, since it happened to get ready for it. But I don't know. I mean, a high ankle sprain is not, like, a minor injury. Like, guys usually will miss time probably for, like, a high ankle sprain. So I, I don't see how the Chiefs get this one done. I think the fact that I'm so – like, I'm confident 
the Chiefs might win. But, like, on paper, I, I'm siding with the Bengals this one. I mean, Joe Burrow's confidence right now, I think, is on another level. I mean, even that throw in pregame, he, he's just feeling himself right now. So I'm going to take the Bengals to get to their second straight Super Bowl and uh, and win this game in cover. These two teams played during the regular season. I believe it was week 13, if I'm not mistaken. And it was a close game. It was a one-possession game. The final score of that one was 27-24 Bengals. But if you go back in that game, the Chiefs were up 24-20 driving. And Travis Kelsey fumbled. Then the Bengals ended up scoring a touchdown to take the lead. And they never recovered recovered the Chiefs. Bucker missed a field goal in that one as well. They didn't have Kadarius Tony, So there are some missing pieces. If you go back two as well to the AFC Championship last year, the Chiefs were up, what, 24-3 in that game, I believe? Or like 21-3, to I want to say. And the Bengals had that huge second half. So it's not like this has been a dominant one-sided thing. That's what gives me a little bit confident in the Chiefs here, as well as the fact that, listen, Lou Anarumo is an awesome defensive coordinator. Zach Taylor has been a really good head coach, but it's a lot different going against Sean McDermott and going against Andy Reid, one of the best play callers and one of the best offensive minds in the league right now. So I'm going to side with Kansas City, even with the Patrick Mahomes injury out one and a half, like plus one and a half, and of course for them to win the game. I think the Chiefs are going to have to generate a takeaway or two, which I'm not 100% sure if they're going to be able to, to be completely honest. I think Isaiah Pacheco gives a different blend to this offense that Cincinnati did not see last year, obviously, with them collapsing in the second half. Mahomes turned the ball over a couple times. They weren't able to run the ball and stuff like that. So they're going to need a superstar performance from a lot of guys outside of Mahomes if Mahomes isn't who we think he could be. Obviously, even with him on the high ankle sprain, I hope that he's still as like effective, but who knows? I'm going to bet that he still is, and I'm going to bet that the Chiefs have a good plan in place to keep him as good as he could possibly be. I'll trust their coaching staff. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. As underdogs at home, the crowd's going to be completely behind them. I also have a little bit of this in the back of my head, like false sense of accomplishment from the Bengals of them beating the Bills. Like I don't, I don't know what you know what I mean. Like I don't, like I don't want to say it's like almost a letdown of this week against Kansas City because it's not. Of course, it's not a letdown in the AFC Championship, but I don't know. Like I think the Chiefs, like now they like maybe people are starting to write them off a little bit, and that's a dangerous thing when you have Patrick Mahomes at the helm. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs here, and what should be a really good game, and hopefully. They don't make me look too stupid. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Core, anything you'd like to add? No, I expect definitely two, two better games. Hopefully, like for this for this round, I expect this round to be pretty well. Because I mean, these four teams. I mean, I thought like before, I thought the only teams like who could win it would be these four teams in Buffalo, Dallas, like a dark horse, and obviously we have four of those teams like in who are in that selection so I think should be two good games and like I'm at the point where I think like any Super Bowl combination I'm good with like mm-hmm. if it's Chiefs Eagles Chiefs Niners Bengals Eagles Bengals Niners like I think all of them will be great Super Bowls and I'm I'll be satisfied with any of them I mean at this point we're just football fans like these are four really good teams left and anything to me I think whoever wins the Super Bowl will be like a great show. Yeah, I 100% agree. I was definitely looking at that too. And to reiterate what you said, I think definitely earlier at some point in the regular season, we said that we would be really shocked if it wasn't either these four teams plus Buffalo winning the Super Bowl, like that bubble of five. We did say Dallas maybe, so maybe we expanded to six. So I'd say, cool, we did a real good job. You know what I mean? 
So yeah. I, I, pat, pat yourself on the back a little bit. We did predict it right. Not that it's very impressive to guess that, but you know what I mean? It's good to know that you get things right. You could argue that these four teams, too, are the four best teams right now. I know Buffalo is really good, but after seeing Buffalo play last week, you could argue that these are the four best teams right now, and they are deserving to be on championship weekend. So with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.